0: Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of Tasting Anarchy. I am your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by
1: mason joseph
0: and i think uh today we've got a good show that was mostly prepared by mason this week
1: yeah because jacob continues the search for a home yeah um and uh, we'll regale people with successes and failures of that another time. Yeah. Jacob's feeling slightly under the weather. We jabbered about normal life stuff longer than we intended. Uh, so we are not necessarily doing a truncated show, but we are doing a let's stick on time show. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> so um, we'll lead in with my wine. We'll do my article and then we'll do your wine so it relates better to your article.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea.
1: Okay, so I have uh, Valencio, or Vinicola, yeah, Vinicola Solar uh, Foutine uh, It's uh, the producer It's a Mexican wine producer out of Baja, California. It's, I either have the 2016 or 2017. I can't figure out which one I have. Oh, positive. Um, it's a 50-50 blend cab, Cabernet Sauvignon and Syrah. Um, 13.8% alcohol ABV. I got it as part of the last of this year's gold medal wine club pack my wife got for me for my birthday in 2019. Uh, so this came in late December, uh, which was really weird about their wine club. Like, it wasn't like consistent, like you get it, you know, the the third month of the quarter or whatever, like it kind of varied. Uh, but this wine, when I first opened it, tasted a little off. Okay, Like something was weird about it. I let it sit for a couple of days because I don't, you know, unlike you and not always like you, but like I don't drink every day. Yeah. Like I probably drink Friday, Saturday and Sunday mm-hmm. consistently, but I don't drink every day during the week. So I had a single glass of it, and then, like, I think I had it for another three days before I had another glass. And when I reopened it, man, like, notes of leather, notes of vanilla, like, it was a different wine. Mm -hmm. Like, it really opened up. It was um, very well balanced on the acidity and the tannins, like, um you know, drying of the mouth, but not like where you're like, you know, that classic, you've just woke up from like a deep snoring sleep or something like that, where you're like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, um, super, I mean, if I, I should have finished the bottle then, but I didn't want to get plastered in the middle of the week because, so then I ended up finishing it today. So I had it open for like a full seven days. Um, and you know, at the end it was just kind of middling flavors like there wasn't a lot going on anymore but the acidity and the tannins were still there but a good blend like it they didn't tip one way or the other um long long on the flavor even though it was basically just red wine acidity and tannins kind of that long flavor there but seriously it was one of those ones where i was just like how like i wish i could have gotten you a, a glass or two of it when I had it open for those three days. Because oh, okay. it was super good, like, dark, dark purple, almost black. Um, I didn't really get a good smell on it when I was drinking it, when it was in its real strong flavor. And it held that for, like, two days because I had, like, a glass and then, like, I had a small glass the next day. Um, so... On the Gold Medal Wine Club, both years are sold out, the 2016 to 2017. Um, There's only like 500 cases produced, because they usually do kind of like, at least for the international one, like small uh, producers. So super good, super interesting. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, Couldn't recommend it more highly. Good. So
0: Right on. Yeah. All right. So You want to do your article, you said? Yeah.
1: We're going to do my article real quick, and then we will do yours. Cool. Um, So... I had an article out of Zero Hedge. I'm not sure if it's a Zero Hedge, like fresh, like a Zero Hedge produced article or if it's an article that they took and then just didn't give somebody else credit to, which they don't normally do, but I have seen them do that later where it's clear it was from somewhere else and it's like the credit was somewhere else and maybe I just missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a what's going on in the wine world kind of going forward. So like wine was like a $370 billion revenue industry in 2019. Um, It's expected to grow pretty substantially in the uh, next decade, but maybe not in the same way as it has in the past. So apparently Spain is the largest exporter of wine. Germany is the largest importer. UK comes in second, like with 4.5 and 13.2 million hectoliters of wine. Mm. But, you know... The U.S. is the largest consumer. Now, we are also, like, the third largest population in the world. Yeah. And, like, the overall richest population. Now, like, obviously, there are people who have higher, like, nominal income or, like, whatever it is amongst all their citizens. But, like, the U.S. just has more people that make money Mm -hmm. than just physically. So... Apparently in the U.S. we drink about 3.7 liters of wine per person a year. Now at 320 million people, that's a crud ton of wine so um now wine is not the most preferred alcoholic drink for 18 to 27 year olds which is kind of like that big market you know so growing market like the market you're going to kind of age with the most um they're really into liquor so how is the wine industry going to change to suit their demands and some of it could be done through marketing where they talk about the sustainability of the vineyard so like um True and Vineyards where they're doing the biodynamic, yeah. you know, promoting that uh, sustainability, but also a smaller serving size because, you know, wine is steeped in tradition in the bottle and everything like that. And a lot of these other places weren't willing to change, but if they don't have, like, a strong market, then they're going to probably have to change. And then also portability. Like, I think a wine bottle is pretty portable, but given that you have to have a special tool to open a lot of them, you know, yeah, wine uh, Uh, corkscrew um it does kind (laughs) of make it a little difficult there plus you can't like well you can just drink from the wine bottle (laughs) yeah yeah so uh can wine is already making a big splash um so you know it's very popular well i've yeah, you know, I had the, I reviewed that canned wine from the Francis Ford Coppola or Francis Coppola, whichever one it was, mm-hmm. uh, vineyard. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it was a Chardonnay. So, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed it pretty much. Um, I thought it was interesting that they said like smaller surfing size. Um, and then they were talking about canned wine because the cans weren't that small. Okay. So, there are 10 ounces, which is a lot of wine. Um, at least, you know, I don't think of a wine as a 10 ounce thing. Usually I think of it as an eight ounce, but yeah. maybe I'm off on the size there. Okay. Um, but also the wine industry is being threatened, as you and I both know, and most um, intoxicants are being threatened by the cannabis industry. Right. So, you know, there are people who are apparently de-alcoholing wine and infusing it with cannabis instead, huh. which I thought sounded like you know, something we got to get a hold of. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested in that. Uh, review. Um, and then they, you know, but technology as usual is kind of, um, making its way into the industry. And I think this is kind of a central bank led thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: where Silicon Valley is finally taking notice of the wine world. So drones are helping with the field management and, you know, all this stuff to try to make, um, like review the vineyards and stuff like that. Um, You know, so like Rowdy might be able to like somehow get a drone to monitor the vineyard that he could control from his house instead of being at the vineyard. Right. You know, like stuff like that where it's, you know, kind of cool things like that, but also like big techs coming in. So, you know, it's like John Deere, like is making, you know, John Deere, like they, apparently their tractors now are so complicated. You can't repair them on your own and like kind of that right to repair. You're not even able to do it. So people are kind of, like, fighting back against that tech, but, like, there's also new tech to help in the harvesting, sorting, and filtration. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of technology coming into it. But then also there's new technology coming into the, um, like, the consumer space. So, like, smart decanters. So, apparently, like, and this is something that you and I don't do, but, like, we don't really decant wine. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know many people who do. Actually, I don't really know anybody who does. Um that I actively know. So, you know, decanting apparently can take up to three hours. Well, some of these smart decanters can drop that into like a minute or a couple minutes. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then, um, you know, some are predicting that glass bottles could be replaced with edible, uh, bottles made of sugar substitutes or other compostable non-plastic bottles, which, you know, both you and I would be like, well, who's, who's demanding this, Yeah. you know, it would be different. Like, and it's zero hedge if they're producing it, you know, they kind of do focus on, market kind of thought processes. Um, but then also, apparently, like, QR codes could replace labels, which both you and I know wouldn't happen because the federal regulations on labeling wouldn't allow it. Uh, but winemakers are beginning to use augmented reality to provide more to the end consumers. Okay. So, like, basically, you can scan the QR code and kind of have an augmented reality <laughs> where, like, Jacob the winemaker comes up and talks to you about the wine and, you know, you could... You could even, like, if you did the QR code right, you could be finding out about, like, different cases. Mm-hmm. Like, with these six cases, like, we let them mature longer. You know, all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, and
0: we, you know, I've actually talked about that kind of thing, too, is using, yeah. is using, is well, QR or, like, uh, blockchain technology to track particular sections of the vineyard and, mm-hmm. and come up with an incentive structure to get people to run those nodes on, uh, run a full node on... That chain so that every time something gets added, they'll get a little bit of a reward, but it also will increase the value so you'll be able to see that from vine to bottle, all of the things that happen to it and all the certification processes and all that sort of stuff, which is just kind of a cool technology. Um, wh- whether that'll happen or not, we'll see. There, There is somebody that I've, I've been trying to line up for the show who works in blockchain technology in relation to wine, but it's mostly in futures. Mm hmm uh but they but they have talked about other things related to that which is sort of what you and I talked about which was tracking it mm-hmm. and uh there is a lot of blockchain technology trying to go into that to do like um you know like fair trade coffee and things like that where people want to see that their coffee is legitimately fair trade so they would they would pay a premium for that and then as part of the reward to run the node is it would div- divvy it out to all of the people who are doing the certification at each stage
1: so yeah so I wanted to specifically mention, like, and I think this is something that you and I have talked about, like, you and I remember when QR codes were predicted to be the big next thing. Yeah. Yep. You remember that? Like, yeah. Do you remember, and you I remember when I did, do- you and I were, <laughs> I think you and I were both like skeptical of it.
0: I think we, I think we were, I did end up, you remember that, uh, at my former place of employment, my implementation of QR technology I, which is still in use. Which is still in use and also saved a tremendous amount of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, it was the same as having a barcode. It just contained more information. So yeah. it was not really. <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't that big of a revolutionary step. It was for us because it, it saved a lot of time and, and, mm-hmm. and helped with the tracking of, of various packages and stuff like that. But uh, I think that might have. like I, I don't remember if I developed that before you were there or not, but. Uh, I think that the thought of that was out of conversations between you and me going like, well, I don't know what this QR technology is going to do, but what is it capable of?
1: Yeah. And so that's the thing is like, but people were talking like QRs were on everything. Yeah. And QR is like one of those things where like, it's really not, it didn't do any of the things that people seem to have predicted it to that wasn't specifically like industry related. Yeah. So it's it's, it's
0: basically a multidimensional barcode.
1: Yeah. But like, as you and I both know, like there's a lot of stuff that goes on the back end of businesses. Like, um, so l- like last in first or last in first out inventory management systems yeah. and like all these complex inventory management systems that QR codes actually really can be effective for helping because as you said, they're multidimensional, um, codes yeah, as opposed to like a standard barcode. But like the idea that like people are, dying to scan a barcode on their like a QR code on their wine bottle. Yeah. Like uh, there are a couple articles that I'd seen in you know the last couple of years where people are just like lambasting like Oh, the QR code revolution. Right. And yeah, like yeah. you know, I can see like in an Amazon warehouse and other places like that, QR codes can be very effective.
0: Yeah, and there was there was actually but, I saw a cool implementation of this when I when we were out in Florida buying a car is a lot of the cars had some information on them and then they would have they had a little QR code on the bottom that said, Hey, if you want more information, scan this. Yeah. And see that yeah.
1: that that is a cool implementation. And that's the thing is like, you know, I don't you know, I was kind of lambasting this, but maybe there is more to it because we went to the zoo yesterday because it was seventy degrees in Virginia or in Norfolk. Oh nice. And it was like and no humidity. Mm. Like, that's really nice. It was awesome. So we went to the zoo, and a lot of the zoo exhibits are now have a AR augmented reality, huh? Um, like experience. That's interesting. And guess who helped them do the augmented reality experience? I don't know who. Your old stomping grounds, ECPI. Oh, really? Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, like, you know, it was very impressive to see that <laughs> ECPI was like, which is you know, like island basted ECPI. Well, because. Yeah. I knew a bunch of people who got ripped off there.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that it, it's... I mean, I'm sure this is actually probably the case with a lot of colleges is you get what you... What's the, put into Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, It's you, you don't get what you pay for necessarily. Like, I feel like I got a lot of value out of it because I actually put effort into it to mm-hmm. some de- to some degree. Um, yeah. And, and it doesn't require a lot of effort, but there was a lot of people there that I was like... That were my peers and I, watching them going like, yeah, these people are shouldn't be passing yeah like they don't know anything (laughs) yeah
1: but one of the things that as you know one of the big things with ar is qr codes yeah yeah. because they give enough information to be able to make augmented reality a thing now like magic leap which is this augmented reality device that is so supposed to be like revolutionary and like you know they barely sold any of them Mm -hmm. but they also say like you know we didn't expect to sell much with the first one but they you know huge amount of funding dumped into it. Yeah. So like augmented reality is one of those things that like also people were predicting was going to do like all this stuff and they like, you know, very quickly and it hasn't yet. Yeah. But like if the zoo is getting into this with ECPI, you know, it's not like it was, you know, augmented reality helped and sponsored by like Old Dominion University or the University of um, Virginia, Charlotte, you know, like a, like a big, a big university like ECPI is big, but it's not like a, yeah, you know it's a, I
0: mean. it's like a private it, college. It's, it's yeah. a for-profit private college. So it, exactly uh, and I, I guess it's a university now because they offer higher degrees, but
1: yeah. um, So yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just kind of super interesting to me to see that kind of go like, okay, maybe there is more to this idea of a QR code kind of driven future. But then again, like, you know who knows yeah so it's just is it an interesting article that i really enjoyed reading um i think some edits have been done to the article because i think there's less information than there was originally but maybe i'm also just not as stressed out when i was reading it because i was super stressed out the first time i read it because it came out on the second of uh, january <laughs> so i was super stressed at yeah that time. yeah yeah i'm sure but like I wasn't, su- I mean, like I was stressed, but I wasn't as stressed as I have been in the past. Okay. So, you know, just, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, like, yeah, I'm a little more ugh, than I have been, but nothing, not the end of the world yeah, sort of yeah. thing. January, but
0: January 1st is hard, is a, well, in that industry is is difficult. Yeah. You know, some things so, that like I thought was kind of interesting about this article was um, when they, well, I don't know that they brought it in because I just kind of skimmed over it and then listened to your recap, but uh, do they get too much into like how the tariffs are going to be impacting uh, no, it
1: was. It wasn't. It didn't really focus on any one country okay. or any one um, like vineyard or anything like that. It was really just kind of, hey, you know, here's the kind of you know we did an article recently, yeah, a different article um, about the future of wine and stuff like that. And I had already read this article at that point. I was kind of you know I wish we had more time to say compare and contrast the two articles and kind of go over like the different predictive futures but this was much more like technical technical in part but also like you know like michael malice and it's kind of like the future's always getting better yeah like you know, X million less people died, you know, the X million people like exited extreme poverty this year. You know, he's a very positive guy. And this is that's what kind of this article seems like. It's like, look, the industry's in flux. Um, th- changes are coming, whether, you know, industry blowhards want it to or not. And I know I'm I'm not being fair by calling them industry blowhards, but you know, it's kind of that like ooh, things are changing and you know, where, where are people going to be in, you know, 10, 20 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was just a, like I said, a fun article. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: It, it seems like a very interesting article. I'm going to have to read, read it more thoroughly. Cause like I said, I just kind of skimmed, skimmed through it. Yeah. Uh, on the, on sort of just a side note or whatever on the QR technology and the augmented reality that you mentioned for Magic Leap. Have you ever done VR before? no so i did it for the very first time on new year's at uh my team leads house he has he has uh, not not uh, oh no it is oculus yeah not the not the htc one the oculus one Mm -hmm. uh it is really neat i don't see myself getting it (laughs) but and also the game to me was kind of like like i I get bored of this game pretty quick it was the one where you have like the uh lightsabers and you hit the it's like dance dance revolution but with lightsabers so <laughs> gotcha but it was really cool like it was a it was it was so like I didn't expect it to be as immersive as it was I, mm-hmm. I, and we put it on and you could also see the other people on the screen when when they're doing it it's kind of cool but it was it was surprisingly Cooler than I thought it would be. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it that like any other way. But I was like, as soon as I left, I was going like, "There's got to be more practical applications to this than playing lightsaber DDR."
1: Yeah, but I think that's kind of the get it in the hands of the masses Mm -hmm. to get them to figure those things out. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think that's kind of the, like, path forward with a lot of technologies. It's like, look, we, we know this can be more. We're not sure of what it is, so let somebody else get a hold of it. It's kind of like, you know, everybody always likes to, you know, people bash Apple for this, that, and another. And I deserved, undeserved, you know, either direction. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big Apple user for a lot of their stuff. Right. Um, but, like, when, you know, Steve Jobs came out with the iPhone... And it, people are just like, oh, we we have not been following what this could do, apparently. And Apple's just kind of like, yeah, suck it. And then, yeah. you know, quickly um, the Android platform started, like, it basically some of it had to be completely redone to kind of catch up with what they were doing. And in some ways, you know, they quickly outstripped them. In other ways, they didn't. because. But that was the interesting thing because it kind of, you know, like got people to d de- like, come off the platform of, like, BlackBerry, you know, like, these very expensive devices. Yeah. Even though Apple's were expensive. And then, like, you know, qu- how quickly these Android manufacturers started coming out with, like, lower-end devices and, you know, basically running with the technology. So, yeah.
0: Well, and that, and even, like, to kind of bring that analogy a little bit further was... I don't... Yeah, I guess you and I were... were, were yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were. Okay. So, remember when iPad came out? Mm-hmm. And I remember going like, yeah, it's just a big iPhone. Like, why, why would you need that? But then it turned out that like iPad, in a lot of ways, does sort of bridge that gap between laptop and phone.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and some some people only need that level. They don't actually need the laptop. Now, like like for me, hey. I do need one. I, I'm a developer, so like I do need the full functionality of a computer. But there are there are users that kind of need that in between space. And and I noticed this today when I was out uh, looking at houses. One of the realtors had a tablet set up for people to sign in.
1: Mm-hmm. She
0: could have theoretically done that with like her phone or something like that, but it wouldn't have been as user friendly or as comfortable. And uh, so, like, you know, I guess your mom's a realtor, so you know that it was or was okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's important for people to know that like you've shown the house, I guess. So, like, they, they're like, "Hey, could you please sign in or whatever?" And, and mm-hmm. also, I guess they're trying to get contacts and stuff.
1: Yeah, there, there, <laughs> there's a lot yeah. that is going on there.
0: Yeah, yeah, so. I always I always sign in and give my, my throwaway email address, which I do check periodically. But like if like I'm not going to work with this person as a realtor or whatever, so like I'll give them my my bad email address. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I do want them to get credit for having shown the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyways, but I, that was like, and actually, while I was doing it, I was I was thinking about. It, I was like, I remember when this came out and me thinking that this was stupid.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, so like as an example. I personally, before my, like, because my daughter is getting more, more in the realm of understanding that like you're not paying attention to her if you're on the phone or on the iPad and stuff like that yeah. for, but before, you know, when she was just kind of blah, 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 you know, like little, little, like my iPad has been my go-to device for interacting. Like I've got the laptop, which I do use occasionally, but it's outdated enough now where like using Chrome causes all the fans to spin up and it gets really hot. Mm. And like I'm looking at switching to Brave on it or switching to like a lower energy lower resource using browser. Mm-hmm. Um at some point. And I should have done it a while ago, but I haven't. But I use my iPad way more frequently than that. Now I use my phone a little bit more frequently now for the general, you know, surfing and stuff like that, but I've never like thought specifically like that the, once I got an iPad, like I was like, yeah, this is a giant iPhone, but in all the right ways to me, like, and to the point where like, even now my wife who didn't like Apple, doesn't like Apple actually requested an iPad cause she had an iPad mini that she used for like general computing tasks that wasn't, you know, super expensive, but like she's got an Android phone yeah, and that's her primary device. Like she can use the desktop I'm on right now <laughs> recording the show, but neither of us use the desktop really as a dedicated device. And she can use the, i iP- or the, the laptop anytime she wants. Um, you know, it's fully unlocked. She can use it, you know, just pick it up, use it, um, but she doesn't. And so she uses her, got a new iPad herself and her work is actually switching from laptops two iPads and she's a speech therapist Yeah, and like she's got like a laptop right now that's on windows seven that is a Toshiba that has like the full like signable screen and all that stuff and you know they're switching to iPads so like it's really interesting that like how long that took to get out there and people were kind of like oh the iPad's done I mean do you remember seeing articles about that yeah yeah, in the last couple of years, people were like, "Oh, you know, look at all this like fallen sales of iPads." But like now, big businesses and small businesses are kind of like, "Yeah, well, we're at the point where we can actually replace a computer with this." Yeah, well, and they do they reasonably do, yeah. for most of our users, right?
0: And they they do they fill they fill a they fill a gap. They do. I mean, there is a big difference between a smartphone and a laptop, mm-hmm. and there and sometimes you just don't need that big step. You you just need something kind of in between. Mm-hmm. And they're easily serviceable. They're easily they're use they're user friendly. They are limited so that you can't mess them up as much. And they're pretty easy to clone, yeah. as I understand yeah.
1: it. Like if you have a device go down, yeah, exactly. And like, I'm not saying the Apple network is more secure or less secure, but Apple does have a very highly perceived walled garden, which for like sensitive data purposes and other things like that and the ability to lock them down. And they're very hard to root. Well, they're not very hard to root, but
0: you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're
1: like they're not as easily rooted as Android devices. So like, and people like lower end people aren't, are familiar enough with it so that they can use it, but like not familiar enough to be like, Oh, I got to change all these settings. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a,
0: yeah, it is it, it, super interesting. It is. It is interesting to see how the market kind of develops on that. Um, we're going to get a bunch of pushback from people because our audience is largely anarchists and Apple and, uh, well, Google in particular. Apple, less so, I would imagine, are... Well, maybe, maybe they are. I don't know. They're very hated because they are very they sell information to the government, I guess. Although, I, I, yeah. from what I understand, Apple has been a little bit more resistant on that than Google. I, Google's just kind of like, underst- whatever.
1: <laughs> my understanding is Apple doesn't directly sell it to the government, but... There's been a lot of things coming out where basically, hey, I'll sell it to Bob, right? And Bob is a you know General Dynamics, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not actually General Dynamics, but you know what I mean. Sure. So you know, like I from what I remember, kind of seeing in passing is like you know it, it's not a far leap, or like they sell it to somebody that like you know when the like the Russians sold the aircraft or the Ukrainians sold the aircraft carrier to like thailand or something like that and they were gonna use it as a casino and they just then turned around and sold it to china and they built an aircraft carrier like an actual aircraft carrier out of it right right it's like oh yeah we promise we won't sell it to china <laughs> oh we sold it to china you know so um but also like apple you know refused to unlock the the phones when in that san bernardino yeah. incident so you know apple does have kind of a track record of being like nope just Yeah, you know, figure it out. Yeah, we're not doing it. Which is good. Which is good.
0: But uh, let's go ahead and move on Mm -hmm. uh, to my wine, which I did. I didn't write notes on it um, because I was I was busy with house stuff and super secret project stuff and all that. But uh, I mine mine directly ties into my topic today, which we're not going to really spend a huge amount of time, I don't think, on it. But it's interesting the timing of you sending me these, Mm -hmm. and also thinking about. Like a lot of the wines that we had early on in the show and my article. So let me go ahead and cover, though, this wine. It's uh, Horton Sellers. It's a uh, 2014 Tanat. It's 13.5% alcohol by volume. Um, it is from Orange County, Virginia. And uh, I'll go ahead and read the, the back of the label. And full disclosure, I really like Tanat. And this is a pretty good example of it. I've had a couple of Texas Tanats that are. Uh, very, very different than this, but I think this is a very good one, and it's very clearly Tanat. So, uh, mm-hmm. Tanat, a noble grape originally known for making the big tannic wines of the Mediterranean in southwest France, produce uh, this rich, full-bodied red wine with strong tannic backbone, leathery fruit flavor, and long, spicy finish. This wine will age beautifully for seven to ten years. I, they are probably one hundred percent correct on that. I might actually order more of these, um, and when especially if I get a house and I have some space to like store stuff, mm-hmm. I might more order some more of these and put them aside because this is very good. It has a very very handsome label. It um it's it's a woman in kind of like scantily clad ripped clothing holding grapes, but it's not like uh it's not like a I mean it's sexy, but it's like nineteen twenties sexy. It's not provocative. Yeah, ex- yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I would say it's like kind of like an Art Deco label. It's more of, mm-hmm. it's what you would see in the 1920s for like Vermouth or Absinthe or something like that where it's got like a Greek goddess-esque mm. uh, female on there. She's holding grapes. It's a really, I, I love this label. It's one of the best labels I've seen in a long time. And But I also like Art Deco a lot and it, this really quickly reminded me of that. Um, but really great label. Uh, the wine itself, awesome. So super, super, super dark, and that's what you would expect from a tonight. It is like almost black. You can just barely around the edges see purple. Uh, it is uh, taste-wise, uh, well, I'll go with smell first, Is which my nose is kind of stuffy, so I, I don't have the best smell right now, but, um, but what I get it out of is a lot of black fruit, but it's, it's more heavy along the, the lines of like the spice and leather notes tobacco like that kind of thing mm-hmm. so it does have that fruitiness that a red wine has but it's more along leather leather tobacco maybe oak woodiness it, it's it's less fruit and more of those notes mm-hmm. taste wise the same thing it's not super super tannic like I would have expected from a tonic um, it is tannic but it's different than like a like a California Cab Sauv, which is really, really, like, really sticky on your mouth. This mm-hmm. is smoother than that. So, whether that is age or Virginia, I'm not sure. Um, it's not super old. It's 2014, but uh, it's a little bit smoother than that. So, it has very smooth tannins, but it does have a fruit flavor. And I would say that the fruit flavor is pretty much up front, but it's also up front is leather and tobacco, like, mm-hmm. really quick. So, it's like, it's a really great uh, wine. Good acidity, long finish. Uh, it's got kind of that baking spices and maybe maybe like an almond flavor almost on the on the end. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's it's it, I think it's a it's a great red wine. If you are in Virginia or you have access to Horton Vineyards, which most of the states actually do, uh, you can order it. Mm-hmm. Uh, go for it. It's it's very good. I, I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, and I don't think you left this out. In like I think you think you said this. This is one of the wines I purchased for you. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, that, yeah that's what, yeah, like, that,
0: that's one of the other reasons I appreciated a lot is, yeah, it was a gift. I didn't pay anything for it,
1: <laughs> which always <laughs> makes it better. And it's, and it wasn't super expensive. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can look it up. It, it wasn't like none of those bottles were particularly expensive. Yeah. I
0: think Wine Searcher, let's see what they say, because that's what I pulled up to actually, I don't even have a price on here. Uh, what does Horton Vineyards say? Horton Vineyards says, Roll up. I think it was like twenty five. Yeah, that would be my guess. Is because most of their stuff is about that price. Man, they don't even say oh 25, yeah, 25. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so really great wine for that price. I might order more. Uh, have you had this one?
1: No, I, I haven't had any of the
0: ones I got. Okay. You. I might send I might send you some of this because I, <laughs> I I thought this was very good. And uh also the bottle is just really cool. hmm It's a really great label. I don't think I've seen one like this. So Horton Vineyards, though. For those of you who have been listening for a while, they they made quite a few of the wines that we've talked about in the past. Also, last uh, either last week or the week before, I did another one that you got me, which was um, it was a white wine. What was it? It was um, not Albarino, not Vignier, It was uh,
1: man. Is the one that won like something in the Virginia Governor's Cup. Yeah, um, they also do Rackett
0: Skelly. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: It was. Um,
0: Petit Mensang. That's what it was. Yeah. Petit Mensang. Um, so that was very, very good. It did. Yeah, won the won the Governor's Cup or whatever. They also do the – we've, we've co- actually reviewed it on the show before. They do uh, Racket, racket Skelly, which we can never pronounce correctly. Uh, <laughs> they do um, – I think – aren't they the ones that own Chateau Le Cabin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they do uh, – Chateau La Cabin which like I really loved the blackberry wine for a long time I kind of changed my opinion of it um, it's not as I don't love it as much as I used to but I still like it
1: yeah I think it's one of those things that it's just it's too too sweet yeah. for where we are in life now but it was a it is not a badly produced wine right and it's there, just not yeah, they're also,
0: our palate yeah exactly and they're also inexpensive they're like $14 a bottle they're really cheap um yeah, and they, they so they also do some dessert wines. You sent me one of the desserts. Uh Do you remember which one you sent? The, the dessert wine you sent me was I think it was um the late harvest Petit Sang dessert.
1: Mhm. Is that right? Yeah, I sent you a Tanat and two Petit Mansangs, the one that won the award and then just like a late harvest one because I thought it was interesting. Okay,
0: cool. Okay. I haven't had that one yet. It's in the fridge still, actually, uh, and I might open that up and share it with my wife at some point. Maybe, maybe that'll be our our closing on a house uh, wine. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be actually. I'm going to save it for that. That's that would be a cool thing to save it for. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, they've they've uh, they've been part of the show for a while, and it's it's mm-hmm. a great vineyard. They're they're very prominent in Virginia. The, and and this is the bad news, I guess, is uh, the. Uh, the founder of Horton Vineyards uh, Dennis Horton has died at age 73 uh good life but he's been very instrumental in Virginia wine uh, for quite a long time uh, well he died in
1: 2018. he did yeah this article is from 627 2018.
0: oh my gosh well, I wonder why it popped up on my phone as like something recent I didn't even look at that i I, I, <laughs> I thought he was alive still.
1: I thought it happened in November. I think we actually may have mentioned that he passed in at the time.
0: Man, maybe maybe he's not as important to me as I thought. <laughs> I, I don't I don't actually know a lot about him, but I thought the article was very good.
1: Yeah, the um. article is very good. I, I th- and that's the thing is like even if he, it's not that he's not important, but like his importance has grown in your mind. Mm-hmm. And you're now hearing about his passing. And hey, he's very important to Virginia wine, which I think is actually very important to Texas wine. Yeah, I think so. Like an area that has tried for 400 years to grow wine is finally doing a good job of it, which kind of like hints that Texas, who's been trying for a very long time, should also keep at it because it's not. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, and, and there's a he was a very important thing in it. Yeah, so. he was. He
0: was. He was a big deal. He he kind of pioneered. Um, well, he pioneered actually a, a lot of grapes that uh, we don't. You know, Sauvignon so is actually a very popular grape, and that and that's one he pioneered in Virginia too, and helped discover that that actually grows really well there. But less um, popular grapes is Norton, which is an American hybrid grape. Uh, I believe that's correct. I'm going to look it up because I could be wrong.
1: I don't know if it's a hybrid, but I know it's an American grape for uh, sure. Yeah, uh, let's look it up.
0: It's Norton grape, and it is, according to Wikipedia. Yep it's a Ameri- it's American, so it's not a hybrid. Yep. So, uh, so Norton, which I've had, I've had Horton Norton, <laughs> uh, which always confused me a little bit. Is but it I've had theirs. It's interesting. I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't say it's it's specifically good, but it might appeal to a lot of people. It is sweeter. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Racatistelli, which is uh, a Georgian grape varietal that he mm-hmm. helped popularize in Virginia, and now a lot more people are, are starting to grow that. And then the one that I have tonight, not that was one that he also was like, "Hey, this might be a good one to grow in Virginia," and clearly it is. I mean, they've been they've been producing these since. Um, the earlier 2000s uh, he really became instrumental in Virginia in the 90s when there was not well even in California through the 90s there was there was producers coming out of California and they were producing good stuff but it was still kind of early on like I, th- I think people forget how young the American wine industry as far as like good wine is is we it wasn't it was this like late 70s when California started outperforming France.
1: Well, I think it's. I think there's a. There was good wine in America. Mm -hmm. What I think is, people finally were willing to admit it. Okay. The the preponderance of the preponderance of evidence was too high for them to continue to sweep it under the rug. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think, but I think you're right. Like, there was a turn in the '70s to producing like trying yeah yeah like people actually going no i don't i don't care about tradition i'm gonna try and if i make a good wine great if i don't hey i try Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and i think he was kind of instrumental in that is is bringing virginia into uh the forefront and uh, i mean like there is outstanding wine coming out of virginia and outstanding wine coming out of horton cellars uh this tonata is very good i think that the I actually, you know, like I said, the Chateau La Cabin is kind of silly, but it's also, I like it still. It's it it's silly in a good way, and mm-hmm. um, they also do a Cab Franc that's pretty good. Their Norton is interesting, so I would recommend trying that. Uh, man, we did we've done their Vignette, I think. If we would if we go back and look at our episodes, I think we. I think I've
1: done it. I think both of us have done it independently.
0: <laughs> yeah, that could be, and and I think that's a good representation of uh, Virginia Vignette. So. Uh, well, I mean, now I feel weird about this being such an old article and I feel like I kind of have to like save face somehow, but <laughs>
1: there's nothing to save face about. Like, that's the thing is like, and I think that's kind of, a like I, you know, I don't think it's anything in your upbringing. I think it's just kind of one of those like cultural things. It's like, no, like, you know, you, you and I both didn't know Rothbard when he was alive as a writer. Yeah. Yet both of you and I would clearly like clearly celebrate R- Rothbard in his life. And we are trying to like, we, you know, as you come up in the Texas wine scene um, and, you know, kind of become more of an expert on Texas wine and kind of experience Texas wine. You also start to realize that like, you know, the focus that you had exclusively on cab for a while, not misplaced, yeah. but, like also hid you from seeing, other things and you know experiences that you could have been having in Virginia, and now you're not like rectifying that situation like you're some sort of like former terrorist or something, like <laughs> right? That. But you're you're willing to give the due to those who helped inspire something you really like, and that's really like that's very noble is not the right word, but it's very. Like, that's a passionate thing to do. Yeah,
0: well, and I I think it's also, what's interesting about this is that this popped up in my uh, Google, like, my Google-recommended articles. Mm-hmm. It's an old article, but uh, that probably indicates that I've been searching a lot about Horton. And, well, and yeah, probably, because, uh, yeah, yeah, as a result of you sending me these. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I found out that this guy was dead, I was like, maybe, maybe we did cover this before, but... Uh, because I do kind of, now that you mentioned it, I'm like, you know, we probably did talk about Chateau Le Cabin because that's what I associated with it so much. Mm-hmm. And then, uh and now that we're kind of going over this again, I'm going like, yeah, okay. and then you pointed out that this is an older article. I'm kind of going, yeah, but now I've had like such good stuff from them. I don't really associate Chateau Le Cabin with that anymore. I still have a mm-hmm. like a soft space in my heart for Chateau Le Cabin, but it's more of like, well now I see them as like a good wine producer that produces like qual- like really high quality stuff,
1: yeah, but I think it's kind of not the shackles of youth but like the the like the cabin is kind of the like the fondness of youth yeah it's like yeah. I was fond of this in my youth, and now I've grown up past it, but that doesn't taint the memory it's kind of like Oh, you know, you had all that fun playing with those toys or video games or whatever. Like, yes, you may have grown past it, and you may regret some of your choices um, to pursue some of that. But that is not like that shouldn't taint the memory of it. You enjoyed your time then, yeah. Like that's and true. you enjoyed the cabin, so
0: that's true. And I and I, you know what? If somebody offered it to me, I uh, would not turn it down. And I might even bottle buy another bottle of it myself. Like it's not it's not very expensive, and I and it's one of those ones where I'm like. I kind of want people to try it just to see what it's like. It's it's interesting.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing is like I personally would not. Yeah. <laughs> but I also didn't drink it the same way you did. That's true. And you know, it was one of the first wines that you know, we did freak show the first time and but like, you know, you like we independently were drinking wine from each other and that was one of the ones you wanted to share with me. Yeah. And like I enjoyed the experience of sharing the wine with you. I didn't enjoy the wine as much as you did <laughs> or had, um, but you know it's still like time with my best friend. Yeah, so, like, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it was good.
0: Uh, one more thing, I think before we close out that I wanted to, I wanted to talk about. So uh, let's go ahead and put uh, Horton aside. So mm-hmm. rest in peace. One and a half years later, uh, Dennis, Dennis, Dennis Horton. Horton from Horton Vineyards. We're going to continue to buy the wine that. Uh, he inspired and that he helped produce and we're also going to continue drinking virginia wine because virginia produces outstanding wine one thing that i thought was interesting from this article is that he was very uh, skeptical of cab franc at first and i think virginia produces some of the best cab franc in the country now he he admitted later on he was like well you know what i guess we do produce it well but uh that was not one of the wine one of the wine grapes that he thought was going to do well in virginia and it's one of the ones that i think does best in virginia
1: Um, That isn't... Yeah, like, I I didn't... I read that in the article, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, And... But I also didn't... Like, I don't know... And I'm not saying, like, you did... Like, I don't know when you had all this Cab Franc in Virginia. Like, I've had Cab Franc from Virginia, and I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. And I I do very much enjoy Cab Franc, but, like, you have a much bigger breadth of knowledge on Cab Franc from Virginia than I do. And I'm kind of like, when did Jacob drink all this? <laughs> well, I,
0: I've actually, a lot of it was here in in mm-hmm. Texas is that whenever one, co- I get one, whenever I have exposure to it, I drink it. But then I also had like everybody who went to that big wine tasting event mm-hmm. um, in DC that I went to, all the Virginia producers brought Cab Franc and, oh, yeah, and all true. of it was very yeah. good. Now, it's also very, very different though than the Finger Lakes, which I also really like. The Finger Lakes Cap Franc, and they're just so different from each other. The like Cap Franc, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of along the same lines as Pinot Noir, where although it's a little bit more bold and flavorful, I think so. I think you mm-hmm. you would appreciate it more, um, but it is also kind of a little bit of a ghost where it does very much express where it's from. Like Cap Franc from Texas, I have not had one that I thought was very good yet. Mm-hmm. I, I've had, I've had. Two from the same vineyard, which I think I did a mini-episode on it, where the the Reserve was better than the regular Cab Franc, but neither one of them was particularly great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had uh, some Cab Francs from Walla Walla in Washington. Same sort of deal where they're just, to me, I might as well drink a Cab Sob. They're just v- super aggressive reds. Mm-hmm. And then I've had a couple from uh, California California is a little bit hit or miss. It it tends to be from places like, um, you know, like Monterey or uh, San Bernardino or somewhere like that. I think, I think they tend to be better, but like a little bit hotter and more inland or more North where it's a little bit warmer. I I don't really like them as much Mm -hmm. or I do like them and I can tell a difference, but I, in my mind, I'm just like, well, you might as well just have a capsaw, because for this, Mm -hmm. for this price, you can get a excellent, smooth cab sauv from Oakville, and you'll like it just as much as you like this incredibly aggressive cab franc.
1: Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, or you can get like a really freaking cheap cab franc from Loire for like fifteen bucks or whatever, and it's one of the best cab francs you ever had. So, like that—that's <laughs> your option. It's like have this like bizarre, aggressive cab franc from California or a fifteen-dollar cab franc from Loire that's outstanding
1: and it's funny because in my mind i always associate cab franc with being more aggressive mm. and i like the aggression in okay it. so like a lot of the ones you were talking about i'm kind of like mm.
0: yeah okay <laughs> give this a try yeah you, you might you you actually if you it, next time you're out here when you come out here maybe from Childer for Childeberg, if you fly into dallas uh we'll go up to there's a pretty good wine bar up here um we can go up to there. They have a lot of Walla Walla wines on tap. Mm-hmm. So we can have, a, we can do like a little mini wine tasting or something like that and try nice. a couple of different things. It's, it's, well, it's a pretty cool place. It's, it's called like Corked
1: or yeah. something like that. Well, speaking of Childerberg, Childerberg is our annual, um, liberty and fun and family and friends and get together, meet each other, see each other, be around each other. Uh, libertarian event in Texas, it is happening the 23rd through the 26th of this year. This is the second time we've recorded and I could say that. Um, so we are going to be in Austin. We are going to be happening concurrent and overlapping and kind of a mix with the Libertarian National Convention. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be attending the Libertarian National Convention coming out to see us. There's going to be a lot of us who are going to be going to the convention to do stuff um we've got at least nikki p from sounds like sounds like liberty but they're changing the podcast name at some point i think um who's going to show up and uh, do some stuff from us. We've also got other special guests going to come out. Um, You can follow Childerberg on Childerberg on Twitter or Childerberg.com. You can follow us, Tasting Anarchy, on Tasting Anarchy on Twitter or TastingAnarchy.com. Send us an email at TastingAnarchy at gmail.com. It's mainly Jacob on the Twitter. Well, it's always Jacob on the Twitter. Uh, (laughs) So if you enjoy the hijinks or the memes, it's him. Um, I am not understanding how Twitter works still. (laughs) Okay. Well,
0: maybe we'll get you there at some point. But yeah, it's, it's, uh as of right now, we're about 40% uh, at capacity for campsites, so we do have plenty of room. Uh, just You can either sign up for the newsletter or go over to Childerberg on Twitter. I think my pinned tweet is uh, a, the sign-up link, and you can get a campsite. So even if you don't want to spend a huge amount of time with us, uh, we've got a lot of campsites available, and we really want to facilitate people who are like-minded <laughs> coming to the LNC and voting for the correct candidates. And uh, yes. by that I mean I mean <laughs> Jacob Hornberger and uh, uh, Joshua Smith I believe is who we're sporting for chair now that um, Todd hugopian has dropped out.
1: So, yes. Uh,
0: and then there's other things to vote for as well, but those are the two that like I'm kind of paying attention to, and I'm sort of outside of politics these days, but I, I am interested in that. I, I do like I like that because Mason, you and I call each other ourselves libertarians. I, I like mm-hmm. I would like libertarians representing the Libertarian Party. And um, did you see that uh, Lincoln Chafee is uh, registered
1: to run as a Libertarian? I know it has come up several times, but I don't really know who he is. Okay, um, but yes, like I've yeah. heard okay. of that. <laughs> he's
0: he was former governor of I think Delaware. He was a Democrat, then he switched to Republican, uh, and then he now he's switching to Libertarian. So, but he's uh, a gun grabber. And um, which I don't think is going to fly even with the very establishment type libertarians. And um, but on the bright side, he is a peacenik, so he, he's very anti-war, and he's been consistently anti-war for a long time. So m- maybe that's a bright side with him. I don't know, but he, he's not very libertarian on pretty much anything else. But uh, but I do like the anti-war thing. But we do yeah, we do that, have a that is good. Yeah, we do have a very good consistent anti-war. Uh, candidate who's also good on everything else in Jacob Hornberger, which I don't mind shilling for him on our show because I think he's a great candidate and I and I really like him a lot. Uh on the behalf of Tasting Anarchy, I've donated money to him and I encourage everybody else to do that as well. Yes. Um I had one other oh, oh this is this is more of like a jokey thing to end the show on. Um so we've been seeing a lot of houses lately. And mm-hmm. and some of the houses are occupied by people, and they have a wine collection. I don't know how much you've done this yet, but I've noticed that because we do the show and I drink a lot of wine, I've become incredibly judgy on people's wine collections. <laughs> <laughs> and like when I'm at the house, going like through them and being like, "Hmm, I know how much this costs, and it's not very good." <laughs> and like <laughs> like going through them and like seeing what they what they have and what they uh, what they drank. Because like one guy today, he had like a whole bunch of corks. Mm-hmm. in like a big jar and uh now i don't know if he actually drank them all or not but like judging by all of the corks in the thing i was like this guy drinks a ridiculous amount of champagne <laughs> like why does he drink this much sparkling wine because <laughs> you know the champagne corks are a little bit different mm-hmm. and uh it also
1: could have come from like a celebration it
0: could it could have been maybe yeah maybe yeah. it was a celebration or something like that and then like the one wine that he had was this like he had one red wine. It was actually, it was a, it was a, uh, Tempranillo. So like I respected that, but mm. it was like a Tempranillo. That's like seven fifty, <laughs> which might actually be really good. Who knows? Because Tempranillo is not a very well-known yeah. wine, but I like, I found myself being very judgy now. Granted. Also, I was already judgy when I was in the house because the house was very smoky smelling. Mm-hmm. It smelled like the guy was smoking cigarettes in the house. And we were like, eh, this is not uh, the house for us. Yeah. But, uh, it was like, and then there was like a lot of like tackiness in the house. So I was like, mm. like when you're trying to sell a house, uh, let me give let me give some recommendations. To... No, no, no. <laughs>
1: well, well, you can do those
0: on Twitter. All right, all right, all right. But yeah, just you know what, Sp- make it spruce it up a little bit. Make it make it a little bit classier because for some reason that does play like either the house needs to be empty or it needs to be classy. Otherwise, it it plays into your opinion.
1: Yeah, but like that should also be as you as a. Uh well-thought-out negotiator mm-hmm. should use that to your advantage that's to true. get a discount on the house. But that's true. That's it for us at Tasting right. Anarchy. Um, <laughs> stay free, everybody. All
0: right, everybody. Stay free. When it gets stay free. start fighting all night. Knock
2: down winners <laughs> and turn down the door. Drinking half and calling for more. Drinking wine for the yoda drink wine. Mop, mop. Wines, for the yoda drink wine. Mop, mop. Wines, for the yoda drink wine. Mop, mop. Pass that bottle to me. Hoi! Hoi! Drink that man, oh, give me some of that slaw, oh, pass that bottle to me, if you want to get along in Peterstown, buy some wine and pass it around, the age runs up to 49, all them kids, they love sweet wine. wine you drink it wine. Wine, wine. wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. wine, wine, wine. Elderberry, Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Port and Sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Kirstie at Willie's Den He wasn't selling but American gin One soldier wanted a bottle of wine He hip that cat for a dollar and a dime I drink a wine for the yoda drink wine Wine for the yoda drink wine Wine for the yoda drink wine Pass that bottle to me I got a nickel, have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Somebody's fifth and somebody's fourth. When you get together, you're doing things smart. drinking wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Wine drink wine. Pass that ball to me.